Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing storytelling expert Dave Bricker. As Dave will be first to tell you, Stories are the single most powerful form of human communication. And yes, that means they're important to business leaders of every kind. Whether you head a Fortune 500 company or you're just starting your entrepreneurial journey, stories matter. I'm certain we're going to learn a lot together. So let's dive right in. Dave, welcome to the show. Steve, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm really super happy to have you here. And you have an interesting name for your company and your method, which is called Story Sailing. And I would love to hear a little bit of background about how did that name come about? Well, the short version of the story is in my youth, I spent a number of years as a boat bum sailing around the Bahamas, across the Atlantic on a wooden boat that a friend of mine had built. And I went off to sea in search of stories because I'd met these remarkable people who had great stories and I wanted good stories of my own. Well, cut to years later and my I've gotten the stories I wanted, but my interest in stories has continued and grown. And story sailing is a nautical model that I came up with that explains in very simple terms what a story is and how it works. Yeah, and I actually just read Dave's book last night. It's called Story Sailing, A Guide to Storytelling for Speakers, Trainers, and Coaches. And of course, as a speaker and coach myself, this is a supreme interest for me, but it should be supreme interest to the listener. I would love to hear a little bit about, from your perspective, how did you come up with the different avenues of, there are different components to this, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. But you mentioned there are several specific ways that kind of relate to sailing Want to maybe just share what those are, and we'll kind of lead off that way. So, the essentially the way story sailing works is let's start with the golden rule of storytelling. It's a golden rule in four elements. The golden rule is stories are always about people, and that means if you're not talking about people, you're not telling stories, and if you're not telling stories, you're not connecting, and if you're not connecting, you're not selling. And if anybody out there is uncomfortable with me using the S word, if you try to get a kid to go to bed, you're selling. If you want a raise at work, you're selling. If you want someone to go out on a date with you, you're selling. So selling is not the process of getting people to part with their money. Selling is the process of getting people to know, like, and trust you. And any transaction that happens is a byproduct of that. So if you're talking about prices, processes, ingredients, or data, you're not talking about people. If you take nothing else away, that's the golden rule of storytelling. And when you craft your messages, ask yourself, is this about a person? Is this about a benefit? Or is this just about how big, how tall, how fast, how expensive an item is? So then you've got the four elements of stories. Every story starts with a person or a group of people, of course, but stories are about people. Think of that person as being out at sea on the rocky, stormy seas of conflict. And what they really want to do is get to the safe port of transformation. And if you've ever been out on a rough day, you can't wait to get into the marina where it's shielded from the waves and the wind, and you can 
swear that you'll never set off on a boat again. And of course, that fades and we get crazy all over again, but that's a different story. But think of this as the horizontal axis of storytelling. You have on your left-hand side, the rocky, stormy seas of conflict and the safe port of transformation on the other side. So conflict drives the story. However, when we sell, when we create an engaging message, if we focus only on the conflict, people are going to run away. People love transformation. Conflict, not so much. So you have to couple them up. And I'll give you an example. We've seen insurance ads that show burning burnt houses or crashed cars. And we've seen anti-tobacco ads that show yellow teeth and black lungs. And it doesn't transform anybody's behavior because they immediately see it. It's conflict. It tunes them out. And what we really need to see is pictures of people enjoying their grandchildren or finishing a marathon. Ah, that's aspirational. Now you've got something. You've got that safe port to run to. Which leads me to the other two elements. The Think of this as being under the boat. The water has to be deep enough for that boat to make it from conflict to transformation. And we call this authenticity. And it's funny that we refer to people in the same way. We might say, well, this person is not very deep, or that message wasn't very deep. So there's an interesting parallel with depth there. But fundamentally, what we really want is to survive on some level. We stepped out of the wilderness 20,000 years ago, which in evolutionary terms is a blink of an eye. People were still hunting mammoths and mastodons at that time. And what we really care about is our survival, food, love, shelter, sex, status, safety for ourselves and our families. All of these biologically programmed necessities and things that we really care about. So if you are not appealing to an authentic conflict, then again, the message is not going to be authentic. It's not going to be effective. Children are wonderful at this because have you ever asked a child to go to bed and they say, why? You say, sweetie, because it's bedtime. Why? Well, because it's at the end of the day and you try and after a while, why, 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 why? And you say, because I said so. And you become that parent you swore you'd never become. But why, 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 until you get to the bottom of it? And that's where the authenticity lies. The yeah, I've got seven element. kids, but you try to get those kids to bed sometimes. It's like, okay, time for another drink of water. Got to use the bathroom again. Wait a minute, I forgot something downstairs. And an hour later, they're finally crawling into their blanket. This kind of happens sometimes in any family, I think. But I love the analogy there of, you know, got to get the, the kids into bed. And I'll let you finish here. And I had a, a follow-up on that. So go ahead. Good. So what's the final thing that a sailboat needs to get from point A to point B, aside from deep water? Well, you need some wind. Exactly. Wind is a, an invisible force, powerful, invisible force. So let's just call it magic. And this is my favorite part of the equation, because look, if you go to one dentist or another dentist, they've all been to school. They all know how to drill and fill a cavity. They know how to extract a tooth. They know how to clean your molars. They don't advertise, hey, we do molars by cuspids and incisors. That stuff is assumed, right? And we choose a dentist because of their magic. Maybe they are great at cosmetic dentistry. Maybe they're really great with people who are afraid of needles. And they just have a painless touch. 
And it's their individual magic, not the features of what they do that distinguishes them. And I love this because as entrepreneurs, as business people, if we think of ourselves as another designer, another realtor, another financial analyst, okay, great, they're all the same. But what's your specialty? What is, you know, are you very punctual? Do you have great equipment? Do you have amazing people on your team? Whatever it is that's unique to you, there's no competition for that. And that is your magic. And that's how you blow your clients and your customers from conflict to transformation. Yeah, that's a great point too. And the dentist example is great too when you talk about transformation because what do they sell you? They sell you the great smile. You're happy with your smile and you feel confident because now you can speak and feel people are looking at damaged teeth or whatever. So that that's transformation. But like you said, it has to have something more than merely transformation because every dentist could potentially say transformative. Your smile is going to be better. You're going to have a great smile. You love your smile. Why them? What sets them apart? And that that's like the magic ingredient you're talking about there. How do you recommend to somebody who's a business owner, because this is a, a group of solopreneurs primarily listening to this podcast, where should they start looking for that magic? I mean, we're really talking about, you know, you said selling, it's persuasion. And persuasion means you have all these different ingredients, like you mentioned, the conflict, the transformation, the depth of authenticity. And, and the magic is really what I think that really speaks to me because that's really getting into what makes you different. So how do you recommend folks like solopreneurs and other business owners and leaders of all stripes to say, hey, I, I want to showcase that I'm different. But like you said, you know, you may be a CPA, you may be a dentist or whatever, but what makes you different? I know you mentioned a couple of things like, like punctuality or whatever. How do you draw that out in a way that makes sure that the people listening say, oh, that's important and it relates to me? And how would you go about that process? I think you have to look at yourself and you have to look beyond what you do functionally. Just as every dentist out there who wants to market their practice has to think about, gee, okay, not only am I another qualified dentist, but I'm, there's probably five dentists within a mile of where I'm setting up my office. So what am I going to do? Do I want to focus on pediatric dentistry? Do I want to focus on implants? So one could be just an area of specialization. But then again, it's what are people going to say about you? Dr. Jones was so friendly and so encouraging. That could be that. It could just be your, your personality. My dentist is, is wonderful. And you go into his office and there's all of these funky sculptures and waterfalls and he's playing 80s rock. And it's like this is a weird time machine. He's the hippie dentist. He's very good at what he does, but he's got an ambiance. It could be as simple as that. could be as simple as that. But as you speak about, write down what it is that you do and write it in terms of benefits, in terms of why is somebody going to come to you versus one of your competitors? And look for those nuances, personality. Maybe it's your life experience outside of your profession. I know a lawyer who's got an MD. Okay, not valid for every type of case. But if you have a malpractice suit, she's a great person to go to, right? Not too many people have a JD and an MD. It could be anything. It could be a hobby or interest or a particular area of specialization. It could just be your background, your values. 
something more abstract. But don't discount that stuff because if you just look at the stuff that's usually seen on a resume, most of that stuff isn't very distinguishing and it's kind of boring. Yeah. And of course, you have this story sailing approach, and that's because you have a background in sailing. And, and you were telling me before about how it's really just a, an aspect of your background. I'm curious, how did you get into storytelling from sailing, though? There's a story there. So tell us that story. How did you get into this direction of being a master storyteller uh, yourself? It was a long journey, and I, I didn't end up in any place that I set out to go consciously. But when I was 18 years old, I met a bunch of people who lived on sailboats in the free anchorage in Miami. And most of them were just eking out a living, whether it was on the shrimp boats or odd jobbing around town. But when it was time to go, they'd get in the boat and they'd sail off. And I thought, wow, these people are traveling the world and they're doing it without any money because they just believe that that's something they can do. They don't have the limitations. I would have thought, wow, to go sailing, you need to have you know, thousands of dollars set up and, and a lot of income. And nope, they just said to heck with it and they went. And I listened to the stories they told about faraway places and adventures and narrow escapes and storms. And, and I was mesmerized. And I thought adventures happen in storybooks and movies. You mean you could really have adventures? And that was that for me. You know, my. My father was a doctor and my mother was a lawyer. And it was about then that I became a disappointment. And <laughs> <laughs> now I'm fine with my parents. But it was just like, wow, I've got to go do this. I'm young, I'm single. And I bought a sailboat for $3,000. I guess it was during my senior year of college and moved on board and started fixing it up. And about six months after I graduated, I, I took off with $40 in my pocket and a locker full of food and dreams. Wow, that's awesome. I always loved the idea of travel and just getting up and going. And I, I did something similar after I had uh, graduated high school. I said, I'm going to drive across the country and just see the sights and all. And I ended up on my first leg of my journey. I got in an auto accident and totaled my car. I said, fine, I'm not going to get a car because they didn't give me much insurance money. How about a bicycle and panniers and, and all the gear? And I just decked out and, and I bicycled across North Carolina and just had a, a great time. It was probably one of the most three times in my life because I didn't have, I got to a fork in the road. I would literally say, I have a map. I can go left or right. And I don't really care which way. I'm just going to pick a direction and go. And it was isn't just that, an amazing time. Isn't that magic? And you think it would have cost you a lot more money to stay home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, but you know, it, it would have cost you a lack of experience. And, and I think some of that, just the adventure and travel, and I know this is a business podcast, but listen, guys, we, we're do business because we want to have a lifestyle, right? And you can pick a kind of business that allows you to live that kind of lifestyle where you can say, hey, look, on a spur of the moment, I'm going to get up and go. I mean, we, our family regularly, we, we homeschool. I've got seven kids. Five are still at home and actually picked that back four. One's at college now. And you know what? When we decide to go on a trip, we don't ask a boss. And we have a kind of business that we can just take on the road with us. If I have an appointment, I, I do it from the road. It's internet-based business. And, and one neat thing about what Dave's talking about here today is storytelling really is part of life. It's not just business. It's not just putting your kids to bed. It's everything you do when you want to communicate effectively. Stories is, is a way to improve that. And I find myself, honestly, Dave, sometimes stories come easy to me. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth just to kind of find a good story. And I don't always like using like 
the same examples everybody in the world uses. So how do you pull stories out of your past uh, that fit a, a specific situation? Do you tend to do it on the fly or do you do a lot of prep ahead of time? Or how do you personally bring out the stories? It always depends on the situation. Sometimes it's on the fly, but I'll tell you, I mean, there are two aspects of storytelling that I work with. One is what to say and the other is how to say it. So I coach a lot of speakers and some of the information that's in that story sailing book that you have that really came out of observing hundreds and hundreds of presentations and figuring out why did the presentation work or not. And very often what I find is somebody is eager to talk about themselves, but they're not so they're not thinking about the person who's listening to them. So for example, I could tell you about my trip across the Atlantic and for a few minutes you might find that really engaging. But after a while, you're thinking, okay, why am I listening to this clown talk about himself? Narcissism is the only disease in the world where the sicker you are, the better you feel. I got my own life to live. So you have to find a way to make your story about the listener. So if I told a story about crossing the ocean and I quickly connected it to the oceans that you have to cross in your business, all of a sudden you're there, right? My journey becomes a metaphor for your journey. And the first thing when you come up with a story is even if it's your story, if it's a true story from your experience, that's great. But what is the value of that story to the person who's listening? What is the transformation? How are you going to transform them by telling your story? And a lot of great stuff happens. First of all, if you're nervous about speaking or telling stories, turn nervous into service. You're there to transform your listener. So find a way. I don't care if it's the story of hassling with putting your kid to bed, if it's that disastrous camping trip with the rain and the mosquitoes and the mud, whatever it is, tell that story because there's a metaphor for that story in the life of everyone you're speaking to. Yeah. And for the listener's sake, I actually just read Dave's book yesterday. You could read it in a single setting. It's not real thick. He gets right to the meat of what he talks about in his book. I'm just going to give you the name here. I'll put it in the show notes too. Story Sailing, a guide to storytelling for speakers, trainers, and coaches. And one thing I noticed in the book I thought was really interesting, Dave, also is you mentioned how stories come across differently, whether you're writing or speaking. And I know there's listeners that they're writing a book or they're writing blog posts or whatever, and some of them are actually public speakers, or maybe they speak in their profession. What are the key differences, would you say, between storytelling and writing compared to storytelling from the stage or speaking? I love that question. Now, one of the things is writing is meant to be consumed silently, which is why if you go to author open mic night for the local book club, it's usually deadly because that stuff was never meant to be read aloud. And it tends to be more wordy. It also, if it's well done, it tends to be better crafted and it, ha it sounds like literature. Once you start speaking, now you're playing with pacing, you're playing with dynamics, you're playing with timing, with all of these other elements that aren't there in print. We don't even have, I mean, we've got minor punctuation marks for pauses and things like that, but not a lot for dynamics other than bold and italic text. And we don't see a lot of that sprinkled through a book. So when you're telling a story live, you might invoke long pauses. Have you ever wondered 
what is the difference between storytelling aloud and storytelling that's spoken? Now, I just delivered that theatrically, but the way I use my dynamics, my pauses, very different. Yeah, it carries meaning when, when you say it that way, too. And it's funny, we're, we're talking about dentists today, for example. And I was at the dentist two weeks ago, and my hygienist was actually raving about a book. She said she was reading, but then I found out she was actually listening to it on Audible. It was an autobiography. I, I think it was Whitney Houston. I forget exactly for sure, but it might have been her, who's a famous singer. And she read her own book. And she said in the audio book, she interspersed her own stories. And she was talking about how she loves to hear books that are read by the author because you kind of get their perspective. And sometimes you get those additional insights. And of course, like you know, Dave just mentioned, you get dynamics, you get the pacing and, and the other things that you won't get just by reading because everybody reads at a different pace. And you kind of have to rely upon the structure and meaning of the words and create your own visual based on what's written. Whereas sound carries more meaning just in how it's relayed and it is in opposition to just words alone. So that's just very true. And if I'm speaking, I might put something, put the word well in front of a sentence or so in front of a sentence. I might actually build in some filler words to make it sound more conversational. I don't put in ums and uhs and, and you knows and likes and things like that. But well, if you've ever blah, 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 and this and that. So if you want to, that's conversational stuff. Whereas I would never want that you know, in my prose. It's just bad form to write that way. And, I, and I'm smiling here because I'm in Toastmasters. I know it's actually one of the organizations you recommend in your book. Uh, along with National Speakers Association, I'm actually in both of them. And of course, at Toastmasters, if you're a member of Toastmasters, you're probably aware that you know, we, we do like the um counter. They're also checking for so's and things like that. But that's natural speech. And that doesn't bother me in the least. And yeah, sure, I'll, I'll count it in the speech. And I try to keep my speech, quote unquote, clean for the Toastmasters speech. But I agree with you, Dave, that those are useful speaking tools when used appropriately. I don't think there's anything wrong with using a so or whatever, because it, it kind of grabs your listener's attention to move them into the next point. And the trick, is, the trick is to use it intentionally, because these things are habits. And many people will speak, and it's this, um, and then, well, like, you know, um, and they have no idea. They're just making a sound because they don't know what to say. And that's a habit you need to overcome. If you're going to be a speaker, you need to be able to control what comes out of your mouth. There's a lesson for politicians, right? <laughs> for sure. But, and Toastmasters is wonderful for that. And once you can kind of clean that stuff out of your speaking, then you can put it back in strategic ways when you want things to sound conversational, but not amateur. Yeah, it's kind of like when I learned copywriting originally, I was like, oh gosh. 14, 15 years ago, I started with that. And one of the things they said was, it's okay to break the rules, just know why you're breaking them. Exactly. That's awesome. So what else would you suggest would be a good starting point for somebody who's wanting to clean up what they do in their storytelling to, to do better planning for using stories in their material for, say, they're writing an email or they're writing a blog post? How many stories? do you include? Is it one per point? I guess it's kind of more of a structural, more of a, do you have like a formula or is it pretty much, I mean, what do you say? I, I don't know what your answer is. So I'm just going <laughs> to kind of put out there really open wise. How many stories do you use, Dave? 
I think it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Like if you have a book, that can, of course, be a series of, of small stories that are all wrapped up into one big story, right? A chapter within a book is a story that leads to a story that leads to a story, etc. If you're writing an article, well, you might tell three short stories that provide three examples, or you might have one story. I wrote an article about a storytelling article, and I talked about a graphic designer who went to pitch to a group of executives and she was excited because it was a big client and they didn't really quite understand what she did and they were making suggestions and recommendations and things and they weren't good recommendations because they were made by business people who didn't have any training in graphic design. And there was the problem. Wow, does she just say, yes, whatever you want and do what the client wants? Or did she say, well, here's why I wouldn't do it that way and risk losing the gig? Because I think this one was called, why do people hire experts and then tell them what to do? Which is a great business concept, right? Exactly. So, and I left it closed. I said, maybe that day she won a new client and not only won that client, but earned their trust and had a long and uh, prosperous relationship with them. Or maybe they decided she wasn't a good fit and she didn't get that big gig, and she went on to do something else, in which case she's probably better off and is going to be a lot happier. But there's an incomplete story where I suggested two endings. But ultimately, the lesson there is for that person reading, let's say they are contracting consultants, designers, experts, what relationship are they going to have with them? They can send them away and maybe get mediocre work from somebody else and never know the difference. Or they can find an expert and trust that expertise. Doesn't mean they're going to be right every time, but give them some latitude to make mistakes and bring someone on your team who can add a new perspective. Right. And that's a great place for a story right there. You can share, hey, this is what client X did. And these are the results they had because they decided to go a different route. And then here's client Y who said, I need to have an expert in my corner who can help me accomplish this task and to do it well the first time out the gate. And maybe have client X, they came around in the long run and saying, okay, I spent more money, but I finally got my, my brain in gear and realized it makes sense to hire an expert. So it kind of sells, client Y, they sold from the first place. That's a great opportunity for a story there. I'm also thinking when you're talking, uh, one book that came to mind was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad Poor Dad, where he had like a, that story thread through the whole book. And a lot of people read that book. And he talks about this concept of the rich dad and the poor dad and about the mental thinking around finances. And he carried that concept throughout the book and a kind of a series of stories that kind of followed a, a single thread. So I see what you're saying on both the individual stories as well as carrying a thread through whatever you're writing, whether it's a book or it's an article or whatever. I just love to get your perspective on those sorts of things. I wrote a book called The Story Story, which you can get on Amazon. And it's actually a business book wrapped in a novel. And it's a story about a bunch of people who end up stuck on an island in the Bahamas and their guide who they're going to spend the week with never shows up. And they're rescued by this guy on an old schooner and having nothing better to do, they sail with him through the Bahamas and end up talking about and exploring storytelling. But I didn't want to write a book about storytelling. I mean, it's storytelling. You've got to tell a story to teach it, right? So the book is a novel with a surprise twist at the end and the whole bit, but it's a business book. It's there to, to get people thinking 
about stories and learning about stories. Oh, that's interesting. So in the book, it's kind of following a path through, because I've not read that one, the story story. So you're taking them through the story. Are you like explaining the concepts in the course of the book? Is that what's happening? The characters are discussing the concepts and exploring them and discovering them together. That's a great approach. I love that. There's another book that comes to mind uh, like that. I think it's um, The Small Business Millionaire by Steve Chandler and Beckford. I forget the first name, but yeah, that's a great approach. I love that idea. I have to get that book. Bob Berg, The Go-Giver, Business Fable. A lot of ways to use stories to get messages inside people's heads. Yeah, that's terrific. Where can our listeners find out more about you, Dave, and learn more about what you have to offer? My main website is at storysailing.com. But if you forget that, remember my name, davebricker.com lands you at the exact same spot. And then I am launching literally this afternoon something called 52speakingblunders.com. And that is subscription content that is targeted at not just at professional speakers, but that at anybody who speaks for a living, whether they're speaking in a conference room, on a stage, on the phone, on the screen, teachers, doctors, lawyers, we all need to work on our presentation skills. And this is a video every week that covers one of the common blunders that uh, speakers make so that you don't have to make those blunders yourself. I've made plenty of them myself, which is why I'm (laughs) authoring this thing. (laughs) Awesome. So is that something that you can subscribe to at any time and get that any time done? Exactly. Perfect. Yeah. So 52speakingblunders.com. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Dave, this has been a great conversation. Can't wait to have you back on the 23rd to bring into the community and, and do the live training with the video and everything. I want to wish you a great afternoon and look forward to seeing you then. Thanks, Steve. I look forward to coming back on the 23rd to continue the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com.